Dr. Beverly Reed. And I'm Dr. Amber Klimczak. And we are Two, Two Peaks, Peaks in a Pod. And so are you ready for one of my pop culture clips that oh, I need gosh. to show you? Okay, so you know I'm a big Vanderpump Rules fan, okay? And I will say, um, I'm kind of tying this in with one of the requested topics that we had. So we first announced that we were gonna have this podcast, I think back in February, and we got initial excitement about it. And our very first topic request was sperm morphology. But unfortunately, it took us so long to get the podcast up off the ground that we haven't got to cover it yet. And But I went to let that person know who requested, we did not forget about you. <laughs> and everybody requested your question four months later. <laughs> I know, you're probably already pregnant by now. <laughs> but um, but we didn't forget about you, and we have been making a list of all the topics, so we are going to get um, through them. But this topic was kind of nice because it um, tied in with my favorite show, Vanderpump Rules. And so I'm going to show Dr. K. She doesn't watch this. We're on to you, Tom. I have your semen analysis. Okay. I'm going to go over it with you. Yeah. The number that was a little bit on the lower side is called the morphology. So sperm look like tadpoles, yeah. and the head of the sperm is where the DNA of the sperm is. Mm -hmm. We want to have normal-shaped sperm heads. Yours was right at 4%. That, that, so only 4% of my sperm have normal-shaped heads? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that's okay, but we, this is something we can definitely work on. Do you smoke, drink, drugs, pot, or vape? I maybe smoke marijuana like once a week. Maybe like mushrooms once in a while, especially over the past year. I did a lot of mushrooms. Okay. And I drink, yeah. How much do you drink in a week? Um, let's see. Maybe like 10, 20 drinks, you know. And you sit in hot tubs or you saunas? Ooh. Yeah. I take a lot of baths. Okay. I'm sorry, but props to this doctor, whoever this is, whoever you are out there, for voluntarily being filmed during this engagement with a patient because... My goodness, she did a good job. That's a that's a hard patient to respond okay, to. But Dr. K, this could be you soon, by the way. But yeah, yeah. okay, so. Um, okay, yes, I, I think it's really funny because I will, as physicians, right, we always want to make our patients feel really comfortable. And so when a patient says something that might be surprising to us, I think we're both pretty good about like, mm -hmm, yeah, okay. Yes. But, but also, we've heard it all. We, we have heard it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was just talking to a patient this morning. I'm like, one of the interesting things about our jobs is we get to know the intimate daily lives yeah. of our patients, yeah. right? Yeah. To be asking a man, do you take hot baths on a regular basis? I mean, I have a lot of guys that say yes, yeah, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so we're asking very detailed, specific questions to them, and you yeah. just never know what you're going to find out about someone. Yes, yes, yes. So what's interesting about this is I, so my sister is also a big uh, Vanderpump Rules fan. Shout out to my sister, Molly. And, um, and I had told her before, I said, yes, with sperm morphology, which is the shape of the sperm, I often see people who have an unhealthy lifestyle have abnormal morphology. Mm -hmm. And so as we were watching the show and we knew that Tom was going to get a semen analysis, I told her, I said, his morphology <laughs> is going to be low. <laughs> um, and so then when his morphology was ever, she said, how did you know that? I'm like, see, I'm telling you. what I do all day. <laughs> but first, we have to even question if the morphology was low. And it depends on which um, scale they were using, mm -hmm. essentially. Because I will say with our... Um, scale that we're using, we follow WHO, the most recent mm -hmm. guidelines, a morphology of 4% is actually it's normal, normal but it could those. be that that clinic was using one of the older mm -hmm. guidelines. Yeah, I believe it's called the strict Kruger guidelines. 
and mm-hmm. for morphology, and that's what we're familiar with. Yeah. And so that was my first thought, you know, nerdy me. I'm like, <laughs> well, he doesn't really have love morphology. Yeah. He's 4%, but of course yeah. it's made for TV drama. So yeah. He, he needed to be upset about his sperm. So yes. Yeah. Did. Well, I was thinking maybe they were using the one that wasn't strict, mm-hmm. and maybe their cutoff mm-hmm. was 15%, and he had 4%. So, but at the, I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, let's kind of just back up and talk about semen analysis and morphology. So when we do a semen analysis, we are looking at a number of different factors and we don't want to go through all the factors today. We're just going to talk about sperm morphology, but I call sperm morphology, the shape of the sperm. It's kind of like a beauty pageant for the sperm. Okay. But the thing is that sperm are pretty funny looking to start with. (laughs) So as you heard Tom say that actually the vast majority of sperm are expected to appear to be abnormal, which I think is pretty funny about sperm, actually. Right, yeah. And I can tell you from my experience when I was, you know, looking at semen analyses and doing them myself, and they were training me for how to determine abnormal morphology. I mean, we're talking about really strict guidelines, Mm -hmm. you know, so very experienced andrologists would look at the specimen after I would look at it when I was first training. And I would say, you know, these sperm look great. I, you know, I would think that there would be a great um, percentage of morphologically normal or normal shaped sperm. And then someone more experienced would come in and be like, Oh no, absolutely not. (laughs) Only 2% of these have normal shapes. And so you really have to dig into the head, the neck, the tailpiece. It's very specific guidelines for what constitutes a normal shape sperm. Well, yeah, and kind of almost back to the beauty pageant, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, oh, right? Absolutely. And it sounds like you were one who sees the beauty maybe <laughs> in, more, in more things than the average person, right? But I've definitely seen that where, and it can even sometimes be clinic specific, where some clinics are just absolutely. really strict on what they would consider to be a normal sperm versus abnormal. And so they say out of all the factors we look at for a semen analysis, this is um, a measurement that is really more subjective Completely, versus yeah. ob- objective. Completely you know, agreed. with objective, yeah. you're just counting. Whoever's counting is going to get the same result. But when you're having to use your judgment to say if something is normal, abnormal, you can get a difference in an opinion. And so some people will say that because of that, can you really trust the morphology? Um, and it may be one of the least important parameters of a semen analysis. What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know if if I necessarily consider it the least important. I Mm -hmm. certainly agree that there's they vary widely between labs. You know, I've been at a few different places in my career, and I've certainly seen dramatic differences in how Mm -hmm. people count normal morphology sperm. Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily a downside either way. Yeah, you know, as long as you're consistent in your lab and you know what you're really basing this off of, right? And so I think as long as each individual lab knows sort of what their typical is and who's doing those analyses, I think that's most helpful. Yeah, you know, it's interesting even backing up another layer yeah I've started to get to the point where when I'm interviewing my patients and learning about them and they tell me about their lifestyle which I'm guessing yeah. she had already talked to him about yes this. yeah as soon as they tell me some of these common lifestyle mm-hmm. things that we know affect morphology I already kind of warned them I said yeah. well we you know we find that this can affect the shape of your sperm yeah and I it's I always joke I'm like there's nothing that cleans up a guy faster than telling him it's gonna affect his sperm <laughs> yeah <that's> right, right. <laughs> so you could tell I mean yeah. smoking for example yeah you can tell a guy you gotta stop smoking it's gonna kill you. you're gonna die of lung cancer you're gonna yeah all mortality of all causes the second you mention it's affecting their swimmers they're like <laughs> 
I'm done. Um, no more. No more. <laughs> so I, well, I think it's funny. One thing that I, that I do think is interesting too, as we were talking about the graders um, for morphology, is that may be something that you don't really see in our clinic as much variation because we have purchased a machine, a computer that is actually able to do the morphology assessment for us. And really that does take out the subjectivity for it and makes it an objective measure at that point. So that'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how how really we maybe have more consistency than you might see elsewhere. Absolutely, yeah. And I think there's a lot of clinics that have adopted machines for semen analyses. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I do think that we're getting a little bit better Mm -hmm. at, right, less variation, certainly within the lab itself. Yes, yeah. Right, right. It's it's definitely important. Yes, yeah. Okay, so when somebody um, has a semen analysis and the sperm morphology is abnormal, I know the first thing I do is I really look at all the other semen analysis parameters. So if all of those other parameters are abnormal, then I do know we have a problem at that point. But there are frequently times where all of the other categories come back completely normal and the only thing that is wrong is that the morphology is just a little bit low. So we typically want it to be 4% or higher, so we might see it at 2% or 3% or something like that. And I will say that when I see that, I don't really get too worked up about it. I do use it as an opportunity to try to make improvements, but do you feel the same way? Like you, that wouldn't be anything that would make you say, oh, you need to do IVF treatment or right, anything like that. Right, right. So, so basically I think what you're getting at is, so the fancy word for abnormal shaped sperm is teratoosospermia. So you're talking about isolated teratoosospermia versus other abnormalities in conjunction with it. The most common thing that we see with abnormal shaped sperm is also something called oligospermia, so having low numbers of sperm, low sperm counts as well. And that is concerning, right? Because we can talk about having it just isolated by itself, but when you have low counts and you're hit with the shapes of the sperm, we have a lot less normal sperm overall Mm -hmm. to work with to hope that it's going to make it to that egg Mm -hmm. to fertilize it. So that combination, just like you're saying, certainly more worrisome, Mm -hmm. right? When we have isolated abnormal shaped sperms, I definitely feel a little bit more optimistic and we can talk about what we do to review their history and how we can clean up their act a little bit. But also there have been studies because really what we're trying to decide is which treatment option do they qualify for? Can we do one of our less involved treatment options like inseminations or IUIs or do we need to advance to something like IVF, a more involved treatment option. Mm -hmm. And so certainly the hope is, and what the same way that Dr. Reed and I feel is we always want to guide our patients into the least involved treatment options. We're always hoping that our patients can go through an IUI. And if they have isolated low morphology, and that's the only thing there, the idea is when you do an insemination, if there's enough numbers of sperm and we're concentrating them and placing millions of sperm right inside the uterus next to the fallopian tube, we're hoping mm-hmm. that that bulk and number can overcome the low sh- the low number of sh- normally shaped sperm. That's the idea. Yeah. So you do have to have pretty good counts to get you up to that point because remember morphology abnormal abnormalities are based on percentages. Mm -hmm. If you have high numbers of sperm overall, you can have success. Now, there are certain studies, and these studies have been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. for inseminations with isolated teratoosospermia, only having abnormal shaped sperms, patients going through inseminations versus patients doing inseminations that have normal normal semen analyses. Mm these patients have lower live birth rates, Mm -hmm. okay? So that is is a concern. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a surprise to anyone. It makes perfect sense, right? We're gonna have better outcomes from inseminations if we have normal sperm. Mm -hmm. But the question is, 
can this still be an option to those patients? I think absolutely. Yeah. And the way I counsel them is really, what are the other counts? What yeah. does the rest of the sperm, the semen analysis look like? Yeah. Can we go for it? Now, a lot of times patients are just very straightforward. They're like, okay, what's the only true way to you know, guarantee that we're not having abnormally shaped sperm, meaning egg, right? Yeah. That's IVF. Mm-hmm. The only way that we can truly avoid and pick up a normal shaped sperm and make sure that one is inseminating, you know, the egg, looking at it under a microscope, which involves IVF. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes too, because we are just so familiar with this topic, it doesn't really stress us out as much. But if you look at it from a patient perspective, let's say you are on the portal, you get results back and let's say it comes back and says you have 0% normal sperm. To us, we don't worry about that. We're like, oh, okay, fine. Like you can still have a baby, right? But from the patient perspective, some of the thoughts that fly in their head are, wait, am I going to be able to ever have a baby or am I going to have a baby that's abnormal or that has birth defects or things like that? And that's the thing that even though for us, it's not that big of a deal, it, we always need to go out of our way to just give the reassurance to patients that look, this is not a deal breaker here. In fact, this is very easy for us to overcome. Even if you have 0% normal sperm. So one of my favorite studies that I've seen is they Um, took an egg donor's eggs, okay? And they divided half of the eggs that one couple used and they took the other half that another couple was gonna use. And so one couple, the sperm had normal morphology, the other couple, the sperm had zero morphology. And when they did ICSI, where they inject the sperm into each one of the eggs, um, they found out that they had equivalent outcomes. And I just thought that was so reassuring to know that even if you can't find a normal sperm, <laughs> that you can still have a totally normal baby and, and reasonable pregnancy rates and all the rest of it. So I, think, I think that's that really makes important sense, to get that reassuring. Really, because you should yeah. clarify when you get 0%, mm-hmm. let's say it's even 0% normal morphology. Yeah. They're not searching through your entire specimen, yeah. Yeah. right, at that point yeah. to figure out, is there even a single sperm that has a normal shape? Yeah. But when they're doing ICSI, yeah. you're at the liberty of the embryologist to sit there and really look for that rare normal sperm that they can select for insemination. So it is really reassuring, and it just means yeah. our embryologists are great. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, I don't know, too. I mean, I've definitely asked the embryologist, are you able to, what can you see where you're able right, to? Right. And they say the hard thing is they swim really fast. So it's not a true detailed, Mm -hmm. you know, morphology assessment, Mm -hmm. but even so you're trying to pick the best that you can. And that's a lot different than when you are doing, you know, something less invasive, like just having intercourse or an insemination or something. And really in that case, you're just trying to find the sperm that can get there, that can get to the egg, not necessarily the one that looks the prettiest. Right. The fastest swimmer (laughs) may may have a really big head. (laughs) Um, but whenever somebody comes to see me for their follow-up and we find out that there's abnormal morphology, I really look at it as an opportunity to really improve your health. And what I think is so interesting is that in some ways, a, a semen analysis is kind of a glimpse into maybe your future health, okay? So if you think about the problems we have when we're older, so for example, a lot of people develop heart problems as they get older. Wouldn't it be nice if we were able to take some of the cells from the heart 20 years before they ever had problems and look at them under a microscope and see do they have any indication of problems or aging or anything like that. Um, but of course we can't do that, right? You can't just take a heart biopsy of somebody and do that. But, but if you think about it, 
out of all of our organs, the testicles are able to provide something on a microscopic level that we can look at and see how is your body doing right mm -hmm. now. And when you see that there is abnormal morphology, that tells me there's something going on in your body that you may be able to intervene on to try to optimize your health. And so the most obvious and kind of common things that I will see, I, I would say probably the most common I see is alcohol use. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a toxin and um, it can affect all the organs in our body, including the testicles. Um, and so I see alcohol. We live in Texas, so I see a lot of heat stress. <laughs> um, and I then, see a lot of heat from baths too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see? I see baths. I don't think I've been asking about yeah. baths, so maybe I'm missing out on a lot yes, of guys that I, are taking hot baths. I, okay. I ask a lot of guys. Yeah. Trust me, on yeah. that and marijuana use. I'm yes. A lot. A lot of my patients, they yeah. like to sit in the bath and smoke a joint. Oh, they do it together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a double whammy. Yeah, they're really hitting their sperm shape. It's more common. I'm telling you. <laughs> Does Stephen take baths? No, I I told a patient today, I was like, I think I would have a heart attack if I walked in and Stephen was in the bathtub because he would not fit. You know, my husband's huge. Our bath is tiny. Like his legs, would, I would think that something really terrible had yeah. happened to him if he was yeah. sitting in the bath. We have to ask our producer, Peter, do you take baths? I do not. <laughs> okay, so, well, but, but for our bath takers out there, then yeah, you can still take baths, just not hot water. Um, let's talk about the sperm too. I, I have made, at this point, I make sure I tell everybody because marijuana use is because a lot more common and because it's common and even legal in a lot of states sometimes people think that that means it's healthy and it's good for you and that is not the case so um, the most alarming study that I saw I think it came back or came out about a year ago or so said that if the dad uses marijuana they will have a higher risk of their child having autism and they don't know specifically why that is, but seeing that relationship has made me just say, look, I need to make sure I'm letting everybody know about this because it may feel like it's harmless, especially too if you have somebody who's using marijuana and they have a normal semen analysis and say, oh no, I'm good, I'm good. But no, these are things you really want to factor in as you're getting ready to um, have a baby together. <laughs> right. I feel similarly, I think I kind of group marijuana smoking, especially if you're smoking mm -hmm. it, into a lot of the studies that they did on smoking cigarettes and their effects on sperm. So same thing, even if you have a normal semen analysis, mm -hmm. but you're exposing your sperm to this, some of the very first epigenetic studies were were done on men's sperm mm -hmm. who smoked. Mm -hmm. And so not only could you be affecting the shapes of your sperm or the ability for them to swim, you could actually, the decision that you're making to smoke in your lifetime can make changes upon your genes mm -hmm. yeah. that then are passed down to your children, your progeny. For mm -hmm. a long time, we thought that the genetic code was sort of cleaned mm -hmm. and then passed on progeny. But yeah. that's not exactly true. Epigenetic studies show that things like smoking or obesity during our lifetime make changes on our genetic code that are then carried down to our progeny. And that's pretty dramatic. Yeah. I think that that is something that I, it weighs heavily on me. Yeah. You know, And yeah. so if it's a decision like that, yeah. it may be more impactful to patients. Yeah. Well, I think another interesting question too that has popped up in more recent years is when somebody's smoking, sometimes a way to stop smoking is to then start vaping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so then that brings up a whole nother question is what about vaping? Is Does vaping affect the sperm? Does vaping affect fertility? And honestly, I would say it's probably too early to really know. 
Um, I think it probably does, but not as much as smoking. So I think that vaping as you're weaning down from smoking could be reasonable, but then you want to wean off the vaping and stop that completely would be my recommendation to patients. Is that what you think too? I, I really, anytime, any type of smoking, even yeah. vaping, I tell yeah. people cut back as much as you can. One of the yeah. first things I learned in medical school, young, bright-eyed medical student, yeah. was if your doctor tells you to do something, you're exponentially more likely to to do it, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so these, you know, people, they have their wives on them. They yeah. have their family on them. Stop smoking. Stop vaping. Stop, you know, smoking weed. All of these things. Yeah. But as soon as the doctor says something, in my mind, I'm like, yeah. okay, I should try and mm -hmm. get them to cut back. So I say, whatever you can do, yeah. because it may be unrealistic <laughs> for them to cut everything out cold turkey right yeah. but i say cut back as much as you can at least for the time being while you're trying to conceive you yeah. know yeah and i think it's pretty well re received in that i'm not telling them you have to stop today yeah. you know and yeah. it's just because it's just not realistic yeah vaping what i've been told is it's extremely addictive because mm -hmm. they put such yeah. high nicotine levels in mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. it sometimes even more so than um, cigarette smoking mm -hmm. i don't know a lot about vaping and like you yeah. said the data is really new data yeah. and so we're following it but I, I'm guessing it's not going to be good over the next 10 to 15 years what comes yeah. out about it. Right, right. And then, so other things for lifestyle, I usually recommend the Mediterranean diet and then exercise, even just a brisk walk, 30 minutes of the day, most days of the week has been shown to help morphology as well. And so those are kind of the basic things I'll do. I'll also usually give a list of fertility supplements that I know are safe. They won't hurt anything. Um, I think sometimes it's debatable on how much they're actually helpful, but as long as it's not anything that can be harmful to sperm, I think it's certainly reasonable. But then I think it's good to set expectations as to when you're making all of these changes, how soon we see a result. So do you ever see people who maybe they stopped drinking and stopped smoking for a week and they're ready to see a good normal semen analysis? So I haven't, so this is the way that that's happened for yeah. me. A lot of times patients will come see me and mm -hmm. they've already had a semen analysis mm -hmm. with a, a different provider, a different yeah. clinic. Yeah. And they have abnormal morphology mm -hmm. and it was a few months ago. Yeah. Okay. And then they come to me and we, you know, review and they say, I've been working on this. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a lot of time it's alcohol. Mm -hmm. I see that very commonly. I really yeah. cut back, I really cut back. I want to repeat my semen analysis mm -hmm. and I do see improvements. Yeah. The way I do my treatment though, we really want to get people moving so quickly yeah. into treatment that often if we do our first semen analysis, mm -hmm. we may repeat it at four weeks, but mm -hmm. it's not a huge turnover. Yeah. You know, the life cycle sperm is about three months. Yeah. So we don't see dramatic changes in the short amount of time when I repeat semen analyses. Yes. I absolutely offer it to my patients. You know, if they're, they're like, Hey, I've really been changing up my lifestyle. I want to see if my morphology is improved or, yeah. you know, other parameters that were abnormal. I'll offer it to them. But often we've already had to start treatment, right? Yeah. With the basis yeah. of that first analysis. Yeah. Well, I think that is just, I think my major point is just saying that, look, the life cycle of the sperm is two to three months. So you don't want to expect that drastic of a change right away mm -hmm. because if you don't know that ahead of time and let's say you happen to repeat your semen analysis a week later or something, you haven't seen a change from your one week of lifestyle changes. Well, that's normal. We we wouldn't expect to see a drastic change at that but point. But keep at it. And keep at it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want that to feel discouraging. That's right. what sometimes people feel discouraged and say, oh, well, I did all these things. I guess I'll just go back to doing all these things again. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, keep it up. Yeah. And remember, not only is it good for the morphology, this is great for your future health. This was a gift to you that you got to find out early Definitely. on 
that your health is being affected by some of your lifestyle changes and, and these are the things that you can do to improve on. But I will say too, there are cases where we just don't really find a reason. There, sometimes I have mm-hmm. people who are living a perfect lifestyle. They can still have abnormal morphology. There's other issues or reasons, genetics or things like that that right. can contribute to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I was going to point that out also. Yeah. And I think that that's the patients often when I make the phone call, they're really frustrated yeah. because they're like, no, I don't do any of those things. I, yeah. And they're very like, yeah. I don't do those things. Yeah. So like, what else could it be? Right. And then we really are talking about other things. There's there's certainly other causes. You can yeah. even have abnormalities of the veins of the yeah. testes. Varicoceles can mm-hmm. sometimes be associated with abnormal shaped sperm. Um, yeah. Or, you know, what I've read about is sometimes we get the analysis report. I actually haven't seen this recently. I just had one the other day. Have you ever seen it where it's all the same abnormality? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. reading about this because yeah. I just had one. There's basically two main types of that. One where the heads of the sperms are enormous Mm -hmm. okay and uh, there's another type where they're sort of round shaped heads Mm -hmm. and those are the two I think it's called mono mono basic or something okay like that types of teratosospermia abnormal shaped sperm okay as opposed to oh it's uh, monomorphous versus polymorphous so mono means single everything looks the same polymorphous they're you know all different but abnormal shapes And so what they found in a lot of these studies is those patients that came back with having their whole, all of the abnormal sperm Mm -hmm. all look the same. They all have big heads. Is that actually the genetics of those sperm Mm -hmm. were abnormal. Mm -hmm. And so it was much more so a genetic association Uh, as opposed to uh some of the other causes of polymorphous where you have lots of different abnormal shaped sperm. And the one that that really stuck out to me is, so you know this, but our listeners don't know this, but like sperm and egg, right? They have half of the set of DNA Mm -hmm. because when they come together, they're going to make one human and they need to have two sets of DNA, right? So they're having or one complete set. So sperm typically are what we call haploid, or they have a half set. These giant head sperm were diploid, meaning they had two full sets. Mm. And so then you can imagine you're mm-hmm. being trying to conceive. You're not going to have a lot of success yeah. when you're having abnormal genetic sperm and yeah. your egg. You would have an extra whole set of chromosomes. So mm. I thought that study was pretty interesting. Yeah. I haven't had that specific abnormality yeah. being the only one, but now yeah. I'm going to look out for it yeah. because yeah. It, just, it was interesting data. Absolutely. Um, okay, so one more thing I wanted to add, which is, have you ever heard about different animal species having different shapes of sperm? Oh, like, yes. Have you ever, oh my gosh, okay. I think it's fascinating. This is so, all right, my co-fellow already knows this, so you know, we, uh, had to, okay. we had to take the test to be a lab supervisor in oh, andrology, yes, right? Uh-huh. So, I told you, embryology was hard. Andrology okay. was really hard. Uh, okay. <laughs> And one of the questions on that test, actually, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but (laughs) I'll say the specifics. One of the questions on that test had a very strange looking sperm. Okay. And the the question answer choices were like, is this, you know, just an abnormal morphology human sperm or all these other animals listed? And I was like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what animal sperm this is. But yes, they can look so strange. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to be horrified, Google rat sperm. Oh. I mean, I and I think if I'm remembering correctly, it kind of looks like a hook instead of like a normal head. It's like I'm a hook. definitely. Saying, I mean, yeah. oh my gosh, that would just it gives me nightmares. So anyway. 
anyways, um, I, I think it's interesting that sperm uh, amongst different species of, of animals can just look so different and even compared to humans and all of that too. But but anyways, okay, well, I think we've got to wrap it up. Um, yeah. And, you know, thank you guys for supporting us through this. We definitely appreciate it. If you don't mind, please leave us a good review. And if you want, request a topic because we will get to it even if it's months <laughs> A few later. months from now. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Have Bye. a good week. Bye. <laughs>